Genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today we are continuing our mini-series on the Rocky franchise with the sequel that dared to pity the fool. It's 1982's Rocky Three, And we have a guest joining us to talk about rebuilding your underdog status, running on the beach, and smashing up pinball machines is podcaster Brad Mendenhall. Welcome, Brad. I feel like my whole life has been building to this moment. I watched this movie <laughs> so much. This is actually the first Rocky movie I ever saw. I think it's easy to be someone's first one because it's, especially as a kid, this is the first one that plays like a Saturday morning cartoon. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think and it kind of stands on its own, you know, because it is sort of like reestablishing Rocky right from the beginning. Um. <laughs> You know, I think you could I think you could watch this without watching any of the other ones and get a complete experience, you know, and people forget. And you guys obviously are aware of this. The first Rocky was an award nominated and award winning movie. And it'd be like yeah. if there was a Goodfellas three that and the and the Goodfellas franchise suddenly became Fast and Furious. Yeah. And this is when it, this was really in the middle part where they were still trying to have some. It's hard to say it's realistic but there's still a little bit of realism and not completely mm -hmm. jingoistic wish for, superhero wish fulfillment that you got in the fourth movie. What is your what is your background with the with the Rocky franchise in general, Brad? Well, I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, oh, well there you go. I grew up on the suburbs of Philly. So, I was 6 years old when this came out. I remember how big this movie is and how all the weird ways Rocky 3 especially was just such an insane launching pad for so many weird pop culture stuff. So, mm -hmm, obviously, mm -hmm. Mr. T becoming mm -hmm. a household name, a man with a unique look, no real acting ability. Well, I mean, he has charisma for days. Charisma for days. will get you a lot. But, yeah, and, you know, not not discounting it. I mean, he definitely got a lot of mileage of, you know, a unique look and a lot of charisma, but he's just Mr. T. And also... Mm -hmm. Hulk Hogan turning mm -hmm. himself just in this small, ridiculous little thing, this basically a glorified cameo. Uh, wrestling became such a huge mainstream thing, a lot of it based off of that. And this is not that long before re the first WrestleMania, where Mr. T and Hulk Hogan wrestled together. Just being associated with this movie in such a small way was able to launch him. This movie was so big. In a way, the first yeah. two movies weren't. The first movies were definitely popular, especially the first one was recognized as a good movie. But this one was just a bigger pop culture thing than the first two, I think. Yeah, yeah, certainly, certainly. So, Brad, help me out, because I've always I was wondering this while watching the movie. So you're six years old. You're watching this in 1983, Scott? Two. Two? 
So at this point, most most American audiences were like, oh, this Mr. T guy seems pretty cool. This Hulk Hogan guy seems pretty cool. They weren't like household names yet. Before he broke through, most wrestlers didn't look like what you imagine wrestlers. They weren't these jacked guys. They all sort of looked like basically dad bod guys who were sort of tall. Mm -hmm. And Hulk Hogan was able to look so different. And he had this crazy superhero look, which they took full advantage of in Rocky Three, and then got signed by Vince McMahon. And they were Mm -hmm. able to sort of ride that to a weird pop culture crest. This really feels way more so than the first two. Uh, mm-hmm. Like a Rocky film made f- more for children than adult audiences. Yeah. And like I know growing up in the 90s, this movie felt like as a kid, characters like Mr. T and Hulk Hogan confused me because I'm like, wait, they're real. Like, yeah. Mr. T is a real person, but he's in Alvin and the Chipmunks. And like, <laughs> right. Rocky's real. No, Rocky's not real. That's not Mr. T. That's Clever Lang, but he's really Mr. So it felt like a this whole movie feels like the fever dream of a child from the 80s. <laughs> sure. So uh, Sylvester Stallone likes to talk about these these two, the, the first two Rockies as um, Rocky made him famous. Rocky 2 made him rich. And, you know, uh, you know, Rocky 2, him being the writer, the director um and and the star uh you know making 200 million dollars on a 7 million dollar budget um was huge um and so he made a ton of money and started to get into all the best parties all the best restaurants he got to you know have one night stands with all the best women um you know and and his life sort of changed at this point and um also, during all of this, he made two movies, uh, Nighthawks and a movie called Victory, and they were both flops, total financial failures. Um, and he was realizing that he was letting becoming rich and getting all of these things and being able to walk around in public in, in, in fur coats and stuff like that. You know, all of this was sort of getting to him, and he was realizing that, like, he had forgotten what made him Sylvester Stallone to begin with, which was like his roots um, and, and, you know, fighting for everything that he had. And he was like, you know, I, I, I didn't have to fight for anything anymore. And I thought that that would be an interesting story for Rocky to have to go through. So he's like, I'm going to make a third Rocky and I'm going to have him start on top and be dragged to the bottom and then have to work his way back up again. Um, so, you know, uh, that turned, that's the plot of Rocky three. Um, but what's interesting is like originally Clubber Lane was supposed to be like a minor role. Like he was just supposed to be this guy that comes out of nowhere, beats the shit out of Rocky and he's, and then makes him have to reassess his whole stance as like, you know, the best boxer ever. Um, and his work way up was like basically he was going to get beat by clever lane clever lane was going to become heavyweight champion and then rocky was going to go into fight after fight and lose over and over and over again um and then at his lowest point have to like build back up and like just win one fight 
um, in the end. But the fight that he wins at the end wasn't going to make him the heavyweight champion of the world again. He wasn't going to do a rematch with Clubber Lane. It was just going to be another boxer. Um, and I think at a, at a certain point, he realized that, like, while that's compelling from a boxing standpoint, from a cinematic standpoint, if we he's getting beat by someone random and then he's beating someone random, it just doesn't there's no connection between the two other than Rocky. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel as satisfying as, um, uh, Rocky as and like, Apollo. Right. Rocky and Apollo. Exactly. Well, <clears throat> I, theoretically, maybe it could have worked if Lang wasn't such a bad guy. Right. So they basically, they turned Clever Lane from a hungry young boxer into a villain. Um, just like a, an absolute cartoon villain, <laughs> the greatest player hater to ever live. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, in order to cast Clubber, they they like they they looked everywhere for somebody to play this part. Um, and eventually, casting director Rhonda Young was watching a reality show, which I didn't even know existed in the '80s. But apparently, there were reality competition shows in the '80s. Um, and this particular one was sort of like this one-off special called America's Toughest Bouncer. And on this, you had a bunch of bouncers, and one of them was Mr. T, and she was like, this guy's got something. Uh, he's got this weird Native American uh, earring, and he's got the mohawk, and there's just a lot going on here. And I think I think this might be the guy, and so she shows, she gets the tape from NBC, brings it to Sylvester Stallone. He's like, yeah, that's that should be that should be clever lane let's bring him in so um mr t so hyped about being in rocky 3 as the villain so hyped to to be able to like play like menace rocky balboa you um, can feel it was de- yeah and was determined to uh, you know do the best acting job that he could possibly do you know given his like zero experience in acting um and uh, in like got an acting coach and all these things and really went all in. It reminds me a lot of what Batista did when he got um Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh just it, kind of the same energy. <laughs> um and uh and yeah, so he went all in um and while he was doing that uh Sylvester Stallone decided that if Rocky was going to if we we're, we were going to set up Rocky as like not a super likable guy at the beginning of this. Like he's he's winning all the time. He's a little conceited, um, and and the money's getting to him. He wants to show that physically on Rocky, and so he got plastic surgery, um, and and like fixed some stuff in his face to make himself a little more uh a, uh, a little more symmetrical. Um, mm. got his hair done in like a really like quaffed way, uh, and then. Uh, d- began the workout process for Rocky Three, um, in which he would eventually get down to two point six percent body fat, um, which is in order to maintain two point six percent body fat, uh, you cannot do that for an extended period of time. You will go into cardiac arrest, um, and he completely like messed up his heart while doing this movie because of this um but his his diet consisted of 10 egg whites and a piece of toast each day 
Uh, he had fruit every third day, and his training consisted of a two-mile jog in the morning, followed by two hours of weight training, 18 rounds of sparring, another two hours of weight training, and then two hours of swimming every day, um, and, and 25 cups of coffee uh, to keep going. And sure. he Something did this to. for months. Yeah, for months. And that's how he got down to 2.6% body fat. That's why he looks like this. He was 155 pounds, um, which is insane when you, can, when you think about the fact that he's also all muscle. Um, it's like to be 100, like 155 pounds and that ripped is like insane. Um, so uh, yeah. how is his pectoral muscle during all this? Because you said in Rocky too, it like left his body while he yeah was... yeah yeah. So it it, is, it had healed over time, and he'd had multiple surgeries to like get it reattached and everything. Um, you know, and so he still had the residual sort of veininess in that, um, in that pec, which you can see. And many people accuse him of uh, pumping steroids as a result, which he's always been really offended by. Um, but yeah, the veininess on, on that side of his chest is from his literal pectoral muscle being ripped off his body during the workout of, of Rocky two. Um, he tried to lift too hard and herniated his entire pectoral muscle on his right, right or left, um, pec. You know, when I hear that diet, (laughs) all I think is like, all I think is the girl behind the counter at five guys in my neighborhood knows my order before I walk up. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could live on that uh, with, with that sort of yeah. dedication. It's like, you know, I, I feel fries, like, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like there are people in the world where food isn't, doesn't, isn't what drives them. But like, personally, my brain is like, operates on a reward like system, like a dog of like, yeah, I got to get to my next meal. So like, I can't imagine not caring so little about food that you'll just eat egg whites and toast for half a year to look like this. It is mind boggling. The the self-control that takes is absolutely mind boggling. Well, and and he's still in amazing, Stallone's in his seventies and you know, he, he still is in movies where he takes his shirt off and still looks great it's like yeah just just stop just <laughs> stallone's about to be play a mob boss in a in a tv series which i'm actually kind of excited about um it's called like tulsa, tulsa king or something like that i'm <laughs> i'm excited about that i'm excited to see him in sort of like a non-action role again it, this sounds more dismissive than it's intended but it, it's a continuation of it's like one of the producers of uh the kevin costner show that everybody's oh, uncle sure. loves. Yeah, Yel- Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yellowstone. It's like the Yellowstone where the producer's like, okay, let's get another sort of past his prime actor that still has a little bit of name value. They can't really open movies sure. anymore, and let's put him into a series because they did the... Yeah. And you know, Harrison Ford's doing a show for him, one of those producers, and Stallone. Yeah, it's like, And that's where Tom Cruise is going to end up, I'm I'm sure of it. Um, at, at, at some point <laughs> he's going to hit 70 and just be like, Oh, okay. I can't, I can't, I can't 
hopscotch on like seven buses while they're moving down the 101 anymore um, <laughs> well and a lot of uh, a lot of work that they were more interested in in the 80s right. 90s and 70s that all that all lives in television now because yeah the cinematic landscape isn't making the kinds of movies that those guys are interested in making in their 70s and 80s right the last note that i have is the beginning of the movie um so we can go ahead and start getting into the to the rundown if you like uh, but that uh-huh. opening montage, uh, which is set to Eye of the Tiger by Survivor. Um, so Stallone wanted Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. <laughs> um, Queen turned him down. And and the studio wanted um, the song from The Karate Kid. Um, the Best Around. The be- yeah, The Best Around. And he turned that down. Uh, and which let let them go take it to Karate Kid, which is funny because it's the director of Rocky yeah. who directs Karate Kid. Um, and instead, uh, Stallone really liked this band Survivor and was like, hey, would you write an original song for the movie? And they were like, yeah. And then they wrote Eye of the Tiger, won the Oscar for best song. Um, and that's how we that's how uh, an absolute have, banger yeah. 80s classic was created. <laughs> I have a question I want to pose to both of you because, like, you know, yeah. uh, Brad, Brad was talking about how this movie, like, affected pop culture in such a big way, you know, mm-hmm. almost bigger than the movie. Do you think that Eye of the Tiger is bigger than Rocky Three? Like, mm. no. I think if, like, okay. I, I, that's such a good question. I think this is another case of just how big pop culture-wise... This movie is Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, Survivor, all these things. They all have their own sort of likability or charisma or whatever you want to have it. I think they all would have achieved their certain level of success on their own, perhaps. But this movie just gave everything such a huge push. That Yeah, well, I think it might just be that you were like... Uh, you know, you were you were alive and 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 remember the movie coming out. But I would say that Eye of the Tiger is absolutely bigger than Rocky Three, but it's not bigger than Rocky as a franchise. Um, because like I I think that if you walk up to a random person and you're like, which Rocky movie is Eye of the Tiger from? They'll be like, I don't know, the second one. Like no no one's gonna know which one it's from. Mm-hmm. So I I do think it is bigger than Rocky Three because. I don't think most people are going to remember which one Eye of the Tiger is from. I often forget. So I guess kind of like in the way that I think Staying Alive, you could know what Staying Alive is and not know like, oh, Saturday Night Fever starring John Travolta yeah. as, as Tony right, Mar- right. Not, not Tony Montana. But. The movie Staying Alive, who directed it? Stallone. Stallone. <laughs> that, that was really, I knew you guys were going to catch that, but that's for a listener <laughs> who may not realize. Stallone directed Staying Alive. Had a cameo right at the beginning where he bumped into Travolta on the streets and they both glared at each other and then walked you out the opposite ways. Could you imagine if 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 Travolta ended up was like in Rocky Rocky Five or something? That's like <laughs> just, a cameo, still, like a tit for tat, like a tradesy. Yeah, that'd yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. Um, so I guess it, 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 interesting thing of note, I suppose, is that despite the fact that Rocky was 76 and Rocky 2 was 79 um both like so Rocky actually takes place predominantly in 75 
New Year's Day 76 is the fight, the title fight. And then Rocky 2 takes place entirely in 76 because the rematch is in Thanksgiving of 76. So now at the beginning of this movie, we get five years of of history of like what Rocky's been up to since Rocky 2, which happened five years ago. <laughs> And right. that I, I find that such an insane way to open a sequel. Um, you know, after the first two being like right after each other, taking place sure, right sure. after each other. This is a huge time jump. And, you know, like we've been talking about the uh, the one to one, the whole series listener of like, you know, using Rocky as like a mirror of Stallone's own career and mm-hmm. like everything Rocky does in this montage. I like assume Stallone did in his real life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and th- there was a cool moment, Scott, where like when he was doing a credit card commercial in the montage, I was like mm-hmm. proud of him because I was like, oh, he had such a hard time shooting that commercial in Rocky too. And now look at him. Where he's he's like a spokesperson. Yeah. <laughs> and he's in a suit, you know? Yeah. It- it's funny in-, in a real way. It sort of almost makes sense. And it's a nice way to like sort of move the time forward. But yeah, at that point of his career, Rocky would only fight once, maybe twice a year. And right. so, yeah, you would actually have to spread out if you were going to try to show him as sort of on the other side of it in the success that sort of builds over time. And he, if he was, I forget how many fights did he have before between winning the championship and fighting Clubber Lang was like five or 10 or something like that. That would actually be spread out. If you were going to have 10 fights, that'd be five years difference. Um, yeah. So it was like, it, it, it's, it's sort of like actually in retrospect may make sense. It's like, yeah, his career would slow down. You don't fight that many times. Uh, the fights have bigger builds and also building up the fame, building up the wealth. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. Well, uh, Scott made a point earlier of like it really when that moment where like Paulie gets arrested, he throws like the he throws the his uh, bottle of whatever at the Rocky paintball or Rocky foosball, which he's an alcoholic again, apparently. Yeah, well, I, mean, I would have loved but I would have loved again. either an uh, an additional montage or cut intercut with Eye of the Tiger a montage of Paulie's just descent back into mm. the bottom of the barrel. Like, yeah, I mean, just I assume, really washing out. I assume what happened is that everyone, you know, because he's associated with Rocky and, and, and he's and Rocky is a celebrity and he's Rocky's family. Now he's his brother-in-law. Um, I imagine that him being associated with uh, a crime boss um, and breaking people's legs. Oh yeah. Probably an issue and Rocky sure. probably made him stop. And then mm-hmm. he just, you know, Rocky gives him whatever he needs to get by. He doesn't have to work. He, you know, but he just, so all he does is drink, you know, it's an unexpectedly kind of uh, like poignant part of success is like, yeah, sometimes if, as you keep moving up, you do have to kind of like, you find yourself leaving certain people behind or having to kind of like, I hey, man, like I'm, I'm getting older now. I have a kid. I'm doing like American express commercials. Like, right. I don't know if I can hang out with like, the dark soul of Philadelphia, Paulie. <laughs> right, um, right. But when he steps out of that, when he steps into the jail cell, he really does seem Rocky like a like a different person. A hundred percent. Where I'm like, I don't know how this interaction is going to go because like I don't think I know this guy, which is a weird feeling to have about Rocky Balboa. Yeah, yeah. It's it's why I can never be mad at Rocky Five because at least he's Rocky again. Hmm. Um. He's the character I fell in love with in Rocky Five. 
Whereas in this one and in four, he's an action superhero. It's a different, it's a totally different mode. And like, it's entertaining to watch, but he's not Rocky anymore. He's something, he's like, it's like Rambo took over. Yeah, Yeah, he's Stallone. Yeah. Yeah, he's Stallone. For these two movies. Um, and uh, and I miss Rocky. Like, there's no point where he's, like, being a goofball in this movie. He's never a goofball in this. He's just rich and depressed, you know? <laughs> and that's kind of it. I uh, I like the scene that Paulie and Rocky have in, like, the parking garage where Rocky has the line, like, friends don't owe. Like, I don't owe you anything. Like, you have to start living your own life, dude. And like they're about to scrap. And then Paulie's like, can I have a job? And Rocky's like, yeah, of course you can. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and I think it's a moment, like Scott said, where it is kind of like, you know, th- there are remnants of the scrappy kind of character-based moments of the first two Rockies in this. They just are starting to get overshadowed by like the summer blockbusterness. Yeah, well, and I think I think that there's, I think Sylvester Stallone smartly understands that no one is going to be interested in the plight of a rich guy, you know, and so he cuts all that shit out. Where where it's like all of that stuff that would normally be in a Rocky movie, he cuts that out of it and makes sort of a leaner movie as a result. But it is a little dumber, and it is like a little less dramatic and it's just sort of an action movie. It becomes sort of a sports action movie instead of a sports drama, you know? Mm. It's something similar that you see like in Marvel films. Stallone was at this point where every movie he would do is about when he takes his shirt off and how good he looks in the shirt. And it's like, oh, wow. And then there'd be so many interviews about, you know, the, you know, Scott, you called out. They talked about his workout regimen. And it, it's very similar like Chris Pratt when he did the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie and everyone was t- him taking selfies of himself all of a sudden in Star-Lord shape. And, right. you know, in the first two Rocky movies, it's about him dedicating himself to the fight and showing himself like really working out hard and running. But when you think about the first Rocky movie, when he's running down the streets, he's wearing just a gray sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get to Rocky three, where all of a sudden he's working out with his shirt off and how mm-hmm. great he looks with his shirt off. And even in Rocky four, I remember the scene where he's doing like the, the sit-ups with his shirt off in the barn. And it's like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's not like, like not him showing his dedication. It's like, Oh my God, look how great a shape Stallone is and how cool he is working out. And it's yeah. sort of the same scene, yeah. but it just ver- means so much different. Well, and it's and it's a different decade, you know. It's it's it, Reagan's president now, so it's and just... you know also uh, I'm not I'm not as a hundo on Stallone as I am Schwarzenegger, but I know Schwarzenegger was greatly inspired by Steve Reeves, um, mm. back in the fifties. Like, and this is a movie Rocky Three. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll see going forward. But I think more than any other Rocky movie, Rocky Three is a movie that loves and like showcases the beauty of like the male body. Mm-hmm. And like yep. the male body at peak performance and like mm-hmm. the gaze. And you're right. Yeah. Like the, the Rocky and Apollo are like wearing like little tank tops and little shorts and their muscles will, are bulging. And you're seeing like the power of their legs running down the beach. And it's like hot. And I kind of I dig it because we don't get like 
it's even different than what we do in Marvel because Marvel just is like, oh, you caught me with my my shirt off. I'm so right. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm Star Lord. <laughs> like, that's like, always what it is. You're right. <laughs> but oh, you know what? The, so like balls out about you, this. Yeah. You know what though? I I realized mentioning Marvel stuff uh, made me realize that this movie reminds me more than any other movie. It reminds me of Iron Man two mm, because yeah. it it just feels so different from the first one like it's not as scrappy as the first one it just it feels like hey we're just we're we're running on autopilot now we got these things down we know what these are like you know um and that's that's definitely what what this feels like it reminds me a lot of of iron man 2 um in terms yeah. of like it's you can watch it and have a good time because everyone's like having fun and there's fun performances in it but then like you look back on it and you're like i mean it wasn't a great movie like it was fun it was nice while watching it, but it was totally disposable, you know? Well, I, I think Rocky Three is when they started realizing that this was a film franchise, and especially in the 80s, when you would go to two or three of the movies, that you always that was just made it, it cheapened it somehow, because franchises mm-hmm. weren't a gimme back then. Mm-hmm. And it's when they start talking about how, you know, the first Rocky came out around the same time, or not too far away from Raging Bull. And I just remember them talk, some pretty snarky critic said, it's like, you know, we now look at Raging Bull as one of the greatest movies of all time, and we now look at the first Rocky as the best of the Rocky movies. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, it was when it just, it, it went from good movie to, to pop culture and sort of sure. popcorn and you know what that's when you stopped that's when you start needing rocky to win the fight because you need the happy end like the no layer of happy ending happy ending because mm-hmm. he had you know again clubber lang was a bad guy mm-hmm. apollo creed wasn't a bad guy right. um so yeah he, he, there wouldn't be any satisfaction of Clubber Lang raising his arms in the air and Rocky getting like a, a, a moral victory. Moral victories don't right. help when you have such a cartoon that you're fighting against. Right. Right. Cause yeah. I think, I think too, I think the, the, um, I really think that wrestling scene, uh, which, which, you know, is coming up. Thunderlips. Uh, yeah. In the movie. Yeah. No, we were, um, we're there. It feels like a superhero fight. Well, well, but the I think the wrestling scene is like it, it is it is establishing the new status quo of the Rocky movies for the next yes. couple where Definitely. where there is a villain like it's not it's not just like a contender. It's not just a competitor. It is a villain. Uh, he is he is a villain and he's going to get booed um, and and Rocky breaks the rules. He's a the brute. Underdog. Yeah, he's going to become the underdog because he's, you know, in this movie trying to win back, you know, his, his honor or whatever. And then in the next movie, he's trying to like get justice. Well, he's um, basically like Superman in the thunder lip scene, because like, you know, in the comics or whatever, sometimes mm-hmm. Superman would just be moving a boat with his hands for charity. Yeah. And yeah. It would be like, I'm just here for charity. It's all good. And that's Rocky in the thunder lip scene. He's like, not worried. He's not bothered. He's kind of like, this is all a game to me, whatever. And yeah, like it, it just feels like a scene in a superhero movie where you're like seeing them fight like a B, like a minor villain. I I find that scene so funny because like the way that they're portraying wrestling is 
almost more honest than the way that it, it it's usually portrayed in stuff where it's just like it's completely fake and it's like well, no, they're doing real stunts like yeah, they're, yeah. they're actually doing real stunts this is like a real athletic thing it's all choreographed or sometimes improvised on the fly but it, it's and and the the ending is predetermined but like that's it like the rest of it is it is real and so you know and so like like him like losing his mind and going like mad dog on everybody is funny but because at the end but, he's like oh it's a good show right we really did it yeah like, yeah that's that's my <laughs> that's my favorite part about it is like you get to the end and then you have to wonder like oh wait was everyone acting like was mickey acting what like were all of them in on this like big performance where like you're gonna get to a point where rocky's gonna have to rip off his gloves and street fight this guy because he street fights him like with his fists <laughs> and then at the end he's like ah good show great 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 going like, you know and so it's just like i don't know it's just i i love this scene i think sure. it's so fun or like uh what brad said about like this this does not read like a real athletic event the way right. that like Balboa and the Creed movies try to get back to everything kind of feeling like it could happen. This is just yeah. pure, like, what's fun? What's going to make the audience, like, be like, oh, this is fun. We're watching a Rocky movie. Well, I, I, also, you, you were saying it's, it's a funny scene. And I don't know, was this the first time Stallone had really been funny? And, you know, you think about Victory and the first two Rocky movies and the first Blood. and Stallone was always very serious, and he has, and it's funny because then he tries to do comedies, and that doesn't work out too well. But when Stallone has a little bit of humor, and especially he ha he's shown like a lot of humor and even a little bit of comedic timing in interviews and stuff, and it was funny. I remember th it's a great scene where, you know, Hulk Hogan's walking, Thunderlips is walking to the ring, and Stallone's like, "Why are they carrying him?" And it's like, "Oh, he's just walking," <laughs> and it was it's like, "Hey, that's." sort of fun and yeah i wonder if you know that was sort of written in there to give stallone a chance to to have some fun and to show the comedic side because um that's probably something we hadn't really seen I, I find i find rocky balboa extremely funny in the first two rocky movies well i think it's um, like he's uh he's got jokes like he's funny like in the reality of the movie where he's yeah. like, eh, Rocky's a funny guy. He's always like, hey, he's talking. But in this, I think in this <laughs> one, he's doing like quips. He's got yeah, more true. like movie jokes, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so the announcer, when they announce uh, uh, Thunderlips. Oh, the man with the mustache? Um, yeah. So they, he, he announces Thunderlips and says that he weighs, he is six, eight. Um, and weighs, is that right? Six, eight? Yeah. He's, at the, he's like uh, almost seven feet. Yeah. 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 Six, six, eight or six, nine and weighs 390 pounds, <laughs> which is, uh, I, I was like, that is obscene. No way. No way does he weigh <laughs> that much. And I looked it up. I looked it up. Hulk Hogan's average weight is 302 pounds over the course of his career. The most he has ever weighed is 320 pounds. So, still a, a a very large man, but not almost four hundred pounds, which is you're not giving him a just, piggyback ride, but yeah, yeah, but no. but just the idea of like a guy looking that fit and weighing four hundred pounds is the most <laughs> terrifying thing I could ever think. Like, oh my god, 
Remember when he, he scared all those gremlins into turning the movie back on? Just, oh, just with his, his voice? Uh, that was a, that's great. That's great. See, Hulk Hogan's a good actor. Bad person. Terrible person. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> solid, solid 80s um, uh, cheesy actor. What? So we, got, we cut back to Rocky's house. Scott, what did you think of Rocky's little car? Uh, I mean, that's, it, it's cute. I don't know. It, it's just such, it's so crazy going from that little house with no furniture in it in Rocky two to a mansion, fully furnished mansion with like a car. He has to drive around his grounds. Um, that is, it, it's such a huge departure that, I mean, it makes sense because, you know, the eighties were all about like excess and like you know, the American dream was being rich and successful and having anything that you want and no one can stop you from making all the money that you want. And so it does make sense that this is where Rocky enters into in the eighties, but it, it, it's such a Reagan era thing. When yeah. You think about like as a kid, one of the most popular shows for kids was silver spoons where like the thing every kid wanted from the TV show, silver spoons is they had a train that would go through the living room. And oh yeah, and it was like, hi, I want to be in the Silver Spoons house. They have a train that goes through the living room, and <laughs> you know, you realize in any other era, that's the bad guy. Uh, mm-hmm. R- R- Ricky Schroeder from Silver Spoons is that's the kid that gets punched at the end of the episode because he's being mean to the kid from the wrong side of the tracks with the heart of gold, mm-hmm. and you know, it's the same thing where you know, you have Rocky. Rocky three, where he's earned this mansion and all the crazy stuff. And that it's funny where if that movie was to come today, uh, he would lose everything. Like when he lost the boxing match, he would lose everything. But mm-hmm. that's not even a plot point. It's not really even, a, I mean, it, there is a plot point is like, he's become rich and sort of become soft because of it. But, he doesn't lose any of that. He still is going to go home to his mansion at the end of the movie, win or lose. Um, yeah. and, and that's not something that would really happen in any other era, but no, you know, he's still, you know, he's still going to be on his satin sheets and, you know, eventually get that weird robot. At, at one point, depending on which cut you watch at one point, um, <laughs> at one point, this movie was going to, uh, Sylvester Stallone had the idea of of swapping the structure of a normal Rocky movie and have him lose the fight and then have to like fig retire a loser and have to figure out how to um manage his money. Uh and that was gonna be so the back half was all gonna be slice of life stuff as he like figured out how to manage his money and Apollo was going to be the person to train him how to manage his money. Oh, wow. <laughs> not how to, not how to fight, but manage his money. Cause he's, he's like, Hey, I stopped boxing years ago. I'm fine. So I'm, I'll, I'll tell you how to manage your money. And it was just going to be about Rocky learning about finances. <laughs> I just want to see the, 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 the beach running scene with them each holding like f- folders and receipts. And yeah. Like, with slow They're motion. both wearing like tax visors. <laughs> yeah. Like, little green tax visors. <laughs> tax yeah. Visors. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh. 
Somebody's he's getting fake he's, that. He, it starts off and he's like really slow at typing on the calculator, but at the end he's like typing really fast, one handed, without even looking. Apollo's looking over like the bills and like, oh boy, oh, oh this is gonna take a lot of work. <laughs> they chose well uh, with the direction they went. Yeah, it was because because yeah. that was his idea when he was like, well, this will maybe this will be the last one. We'll we'll do a trilogy of Rocky movies. Because how could and there so be his four idea Rocky was movies? like. He retires and then goes off into the sunset and like, yeah, you know, he's going to be OK, but he's never going to box again. Um, but um, nobody wants uh, that in the 80s. They want sure. they want fights. They want him to win. Right. That's kind of like what Brad said. It's like, you know, this wasn't we weren't getting like, you know, a, two, a Rocky movie every year and a Rocky Disney Plus series like you were getting like we were lucky to be getting another Rocky movie. And I'm sure most audiences were like, I want to see a Rocky movie. I want to. Yeah see the montage and you know adrian giving an inspirational speech and whatnot yeah and they certainly did because this one outgrossed rocky 2 which was also like kind of unheard of with franchises at this time you typically sequels made half of what the first one made um Mm. you know each one success it was just a law of diminishing returns with sequels um all the planet of the apes ones you know they all make half of what the previous one made and this one uh, the last movie made two hundred million, and this one made two hundred and seventy million. You know, almost three hundred million dollars in nineteen eighty two. That's huge, huge money, yeah. huge money. Um. So we then cut to the uh, steps of the famous Philadelphia Museum. We get the statue, and uh, we haven't brought up Mick yet, but uh, mm-hmm. Mick almost had a heart attack. It looks like from the Thunderlips fight, and also the whole Thunderlips fight. He was like, "This is bullshit." Why are we doing this? Like your body's still going to take hits. It's going to hurt. You're not a spring chicken anymore, dude. Like this is, mm-hmm. you could tell he's really uncomfortable with like the trappings of it all. Um, right. And then, well, cause yeah, he's please. never, he's never trained a winner before. He talked right. about that in the first one. He want all he's ever wanted was to like train a winner, like to train one of the greats, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. And, and so now he's doing it. He's got one of the greats, and he's going to be remembered as Rocky Balboa's trainer forever. That's his legacy that he's always been chasing. But now that he has it, I think he's just realizing, like, oh, I like the buildup, but now that now that we're here, this kind of sucks. Like, this isn't like the old days, you know? Like, I, I want you drinking egg whites out of a glass. Chasing you know? a chicken. Yeah, chasing chickens. Like, what, what the hell is all this? <laughs> What did you guys think of Burgess Meredith's performance in this movie? Uh, I think it's effective. You know, he's certainly in it a lot less. And he, he I, don't, I don't think he reaches the emotional heights of, like, Rocky Two, even. Right. But, like, I think, you know, when, when, he, when he passes away, like, I, I was affected by that scene. Mm-hmm. I was, I was, I had no memory of Mick being Jewish. I This entire time, I thought he was Irish. I thought he was an Irishman. And... I I am I was very thrown uh, when we get I was like what funeral is he at who's Jewish <laughs> and I was like oh my god Mick was Jewish holy shit I have no memory of that whatsoever um so that was a nice surprise it, yeah. it seemed and around this time there were so many Rocky parodies and it did seem to be the movie where Mick all of a sudden stopped feeling like a character and more just. A greatest hits and that maybe because he was funny or maybe because like you said he wasn't in a lot of the movie he was just basically there to throw in the doubt of the movie and then die right. 
Yeah. So <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Given a lot Ca- less, caused the he was he was the medical issue of the film. Um, uh, right, a, an ongoing Rocky trope. Um, there's always somebody's always got a medical issue of some sort. It, some, yeah, it's not like Stallone was like, I really want to give Burgess something new to do with this one. I really want to give him like a curveball. Like, yeah, I think that's yeah. Mick. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about Mr. T for a moment because, like, okay, mm-hmm. Clubber Lang. I imagine Clubber Lang. I think he might be my favorite villain in the series because he's just he's running on pure spite. <laughs> he he was just watching TV one day, watching Rocky Two, and he was like, you know what? I don't like this dude. I'm going to by sheer force of will. He has no friends. He has no Mick. He has no Adrian. Like yeah. I I think he just goes to his apartment every night and just hates and just yeah. stews in it. Yeah. And so he just comes with no mercy on the steps of the of the museum that day. I remember later in the movie, like in that in in the fights, he has a team and I'm like, where the hell did they come up from? I thought you trained all by yourself in your apartment. I thought that that was like your whole story. That's what you said all the time. Yeah. Who's the are, who are these guys? In the fourth movie, Drago really isn't the bad guy. The bad guy's Russia. Um right. it's so, the Cold War. Yeah. It's you know, it's you know, Rocky goes to Russia and ends the Cold War. But with this, mm-hmm. you're right. It's it's really a, a very much a mano a mano thing where Clubber hates him, and because he's just <laughs> a big ball of hate, and um, it does make him more compelling. Um, because there's there's no other real villain like that. Again, Drago is and Drago's great, but it's so much of a bigger thing. And then when he's you an get, instrument. To Tommy the Machine Gun, it's just <laughs> yeah. not a actor with as much charisma. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do think though. Um, I don't think that it's established well, but I'm I. He, there's a moment where he goads Rocky into fighting him the first time. Um, mm-hmm. when he's getting the statue dedication, and at that point he mentions offhandedly. Why have you been ducking my calls? Why won't you fight me? All these things. And I'm wondering, like, how long has that been going on? Because he specifically mentions, you got your shot. Where's mine? Oh, I like where you're going with this. And so I think his his sort of villain origin story is that, like, at some point, he probably saw Rocky as, like, a hero. And he was like, wow, this guy came from nothing and he fought Apollo Creed and he went 15 rounds and then he went again and he beat him like this. This guy, this guy is a big deal. And then trained to become probably inspired by that, trained to become a boxer, worked his way up. And then is like, OK, I want to fight. I want to fight Rocky. I want to try and beat Rocky. And they probably just weren't taking his calls. And that's mm. where the hate started. Because like, wait, wait, wait a minute. You got your shot. Where's mine? You know? And I think that that just being denied over and over and over again, I imagine that like that that's what made him this sort of like angry dog that he sort of is in this movie. You know, we're in an era of understanding the bad guys better because the was it the fourth or the fifth season of Cobra Kai just came out, mm-hmm. where so much of Cobra Kai is there's chosen the bad guy from the second movie, there's Mike Barnes from the third movie, and bringing them back in sort of, and the whole point is Johnny from the first movie and like right. getting their perspectives, fleshing out their characters. I'm just, I have no doubt somebody's talked about it. It's like, you know, and I think there's even been talk about their, in the third Creed movie, having like Clubber Lang's kid challenging for the title or something. And 
you know, in the second Creed movie, you, you got to see a different side of Drago. Um, cause there is an interesting story. And again, in the 2020s, if they were to do that movie, Rocky wouldn't even be the good guy. Because you think mm-hmm. about it, it's like, okay, the rich sort of lazy champion. And then there's the guy, like the angry young guy who is being denied his shot and finally gets his shot. That's the hero. Um, so it, it, sure, it, there is an interesting story there. It's coming to Netflix soon. I'm sure they'll be like laying the untold story or something like that because finding the depth and the interesting origin stories of these characters, um, it, it, it's sort of in vogue right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably won't. So it. after the uh, events of the museum, uh, Rocky's like, I'll fight you. And Mick's like, no, nah, dude, I'm out. I quit. Because, like, you're going to die if you fight Clubber. And it gets like, you're going to, he's going to kill you, Rock. You can't get it. He's a monster. He's a murderer. And, you know, it's like, he's, he's a monster. I love that he calls him a monster. <laughs> he's going to murderize you. And, you know, he's very, like, Mick about it. And Rocky's like, look. I'll look, I'm going to, I'm going to beat him. Cause I'm Rocky. Just train with me one more time and we'll, we'll do it. And Mickey's like, Oh, I love you like a son. So yeah, I'll do it. And then like, I, it got me because it cuts to, you know, this gym and there's like lights and merchants and merchandise and like, you know, like, it almost, these, it almost like, oh, doesn't it's even the... look like a, it almost doesn't look like a gym. It almost looks like they like set up gym equipment in like a hotel ballroom. Right, you know? like Radio yeah. City Music Hall or something. And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah. cool, it's the, it's the fight already. We're cutting straight to the first fight. But I'm like, oh, he's training, and he's turned it into a full circus. And yeah. Mick is just, like, so disgusted by all of it. And it's really cool seeing Stallone revel in, like, Rocky really has lost his way. He's really right. gotten lost in, like, the entertainment side of it. It, it so much looks like you go to Atlantic City, and you're going to play the slots, and then, by the way, you can see a guy work out and you know (laughs) yeah 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 like people are like trying the equipment you know and like getting rocky stickers and all this and you know you bought tickets for this yeah and it's not subtle like you can imagine a kid watching this and being like oh rocky's lost his way like he's gonna oh Mm -hmm. no is he gonna lose you know because it cuts to again clubber lang run on running on pure like spite and will to prove himself is just like training the shit out of himself yeah no one around him like no team yeah. Um and then before we know it, it's like the the last fight, Mickey. Uh oh, so like they're they're about to meet up and Clubber Lang just can't not like get some hate in. He starts calling Rocky out in the stairwell, and this is when Mick starts to have his heart attack. And like it just doesn't feel right. Like Rocky's like, I don't want to go out there now, Mick, you're dying. Like, no, get out there, you're a killer, you're a murder you're a murderize him. Yeah, and it's a brutal fight. It is. It is. Um, so Stallone said when he choreographed this, his goal was to get in as many punches in three rounds as there were in the entire 15 rounds of the last Apollo fight. Wow. Um, and, it's such uh, bad and boxing. So that, <laughs> yeah. And that's why, that's why it's, so, it's so brutal. I I was I was noticing that while I was watching it specifically I was like all clubber throws are haymakers. He throws nothing else. It's just haymaker after haymaker. I was and I'm just like he would throw his arm out of its socket at a certain point. I mean it's just there it's too much. There's just no way. Cuz there's no way cuz in the in the last movie they do that 
great scene where um he's learning how to not fight Southpaw and they tie one of his hands behind the back and he's like, just jab 500 times. I want you to jab 500 times, right? Jabbing 500 times makes sense to me. I don't think that there is any world where you could do like 250 haymakers in a row. Like, I don't think anybody could do that. Like, it's just because the whole point of the haymaker is it's like your entire, you're throwing your entire body into it. And, and so like, you could only do that a few times in a fight. And the fact that Clever Lane is like trying to do a whole fight with nothing but haymakers. is dangerosity, man. Yeah. So, uh, Rocky loses heartbreaking, even more heartbreaking. Uh, Mick dies, uh, Mm -hmm. maybe where he was always destined to in like the locker room of a gym. And, uh, it's, it's the first moment of the movie where rock goes down and he's with Mick and he's like, no, Mick, it's the first time in the whole movie where he's really felt like Rocky. Yeah. Um, because like, yeah. And like a big strength of the series is like Rocky's vulnerability. He's mm-hmm. never been afraid to show his emotion. And so, like, you know, Rocky, I was thinking, you know, because, like, this is more of, like, a children's movie. And, like, to boys watching this growing up, to see Rocky, like, just openly weeping over the death of, like, this father figure. It's, like, a cool moment in such, like, a big macho movie. And it's, like, the first moment to kind of ring true dramatically for me. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and action stars and leading men didn't do that a lot then. You know, John Wayne didn't weep. Um, right, you know, Schwarzenegger didn't cry. You know, Lee Marvin, Steve McQueen, whoever it is that it, Clint Eastwood, you know. So right. it, it was a, a bit of a departure for, you know, really. I, I don't know, guys. Would you consider at this point Stallone an action star? He he was sort of one of those weird hybrids where he he was definitely a guy known for physicality, but. I mean, aside from the ramp first Rambo, he he didn't have like a lot of successful action movies at that point. It was still sort of well, like it, drama with a little bit of action sprinkled in. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but like First Blood is a drama, right? It's not it's not even like an action movie the way that like First Blood Part Two is like, sure, yeah, <laughs> like, no, all bets are off. Action, yeah, totally an action movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First and then Blood in the later eighties, excellent, really a, a post Vietnam drama, right, right. I think this the, is what started the this is what started the 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 action movie thing. Right. The Demolition does, Man, Cliffhanger. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. he also became less emotional too over over all that time as well. Um probably because uh fucking Schwarzenegger was making fun of him um all the time, constantly bullying. He was gonna Stallone. do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know. Stallone was a uh, kind of a gullible guy when it came to Schwarzenegger. Sure. He always fell for shit. Uh, we talked about <laughs> we talked about Mick's funeral. Uh, then we get uh, and I, I've kind of been talking about this previous two movies, but like Brad said, a good, an uh, 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 interesting key choice that the Rocky series has made is Apollo Creed is not a villain. Um, and we see he was moderating the fight. He's retired. He's cool with it. Uh, he even is able to be like self-effacing. When they're like, hey, you know, can the stallion really hit like a like an elephant? And he's like, why do you think I'm here instead of in the ring? Like, oh, Apollo, we love you. And there's this great moment where like man to man, Apollo is like, hey, man, like I've been where you're at. Like I'm I've been on the other side. I'm already retired. But like we can do this. We can win this together. Just Mm -hmm. let me train you. Come with me to California. And 
it's a cool moment. It really pays off on the character they've been setting up for the past two movies where it's like, Apollo would never work with Creed. He's an asshole. It's why the Creed series feels like such an inevitability. It feels like such a like, like, a oh, my God, how has no one thought of this idea before kind of idea mm-hmm. um, when that first one hit? Because you forget just how pivotal Apollo Creed is to the Rocky franchise. Yeah, he he's the one A in those first three, three and a half movies. You know, he's. Yeah. You know, we talk about how, you know, Mr. T goes on to a very successful TV career and sort of like a central pop culture guy. And Dolph Lundgren got his shot at other movies and Hulk Hogan becoming, getting, you know, his wrestling career blowing up and also getting his own movies. And Carl Weathers, you know, he had action, he had action Jackson and never really any other lead roles in mainstream movies. And it's sort of funny where you sort of want to say that somebody as pivotal to a, the biggest movie of the year, great shape, good looking guy, has in his later years shown some great comedic timing as he did with the um, uh, the, the, the Arrested Development. Um, right, right. You know, so not getting a great shot. There was only so many movies. And said the world was different and a black actor wasn't necessarily going to get those roles anyway. Right. He's fucking so. great in Predator, but Predator is like an ensemble movie. And so right. anytime you turn on Predator, you're like, oh, that's right. Fucking Carl Weathers is in this and he kicks ass. But like he's like everyone in that movie kicks ass, you know? Yeah. Well, right. yeah, and Carl right. Weathers was the guy that gets killed by the alien to really show how bad the alien is. So when Arnold wins the beats him at the end, it just shows that Arnold's even cooler. Um, right. and, and a lot, you know, more- Jesse Ventura, same thing where, you, mm-hmm. you know, just, just a bunch of big, beefy, muscular guys, but Arnold's also the smartest, beefiest. Mm-hmm. He's a genius as well as a beefcake. Dutch. Oh yeah. He's the final girl. He's, He's the, the final, final girl. girl. Yeah. <laughs> and so they journey to California and it's kind of the first really visual shakeup of the franchise where like we leave Philadelphia for the West coast. Um, this isn't a particularly, I mean, like, there's some iconic shots in this movie. There's, like, images that are, like, ingrained in pop cinema. But, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't say this is, like, a particularly, like, great-looking movie. Mm-hmm. But um, it is an interesting, like, shift when they cut to, like, you know, downtown L.A. And, like, Paulie's yeah. really uncomfortable because, like, he's like, oh, man. <laughs> like, that was, it was, uh, it was. It, it's interesting the way they kind of like didn't put like a fine point on like the racial politics that have always kind of been in the underbelly of Rocky, but right. like making it feel like a reality of like yeah, I Paulie would probably react this way and being like in a predominantly black like blacker neighborhood than he's ever been. In, yeah, like, his part of Philadelphia. well, and it, 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 it there, there's definitely that aspect of it, but I also think it's funny just reading it from a class standpoint and just the right. fact that like this is the kind of shithole that he came from, but. He's right. gotten so used to Rocky's money and the wealth and living like high on the horse, high on the hog that like now he's going back to like this sort of like slums of Los Angeles where 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 um uh Apollo, Apollo came up yeah. came up and he's miserable and he's like this place is and like I I'm like you know he's like complaining about the the homeless people outside 
um, who are like having just like having a nice time, like having yeah, like just yeah, just because they're not singing the best a song, of a bad situation, and he's yeah. just like shout the fuck up. <laughs> And, There's a, and I'm like, hey, do you not have to deal with homeless people back in uh, Philadelphia? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Frank Stallone. Walk through, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Walk through Philly. You're not, you are not unused to to, to the homeless. It's a uh, yeah. Uh, There's a moment like when they're they're meeting all like the other boxers in the gym, and Paulie's like, I I don't like these guys, Rocky. I don't like them. And Rocky's like, Well, maybe they don't like you. And he's like, Why wouldn't they like me? And, <laughs> uh, uh, I love it. And we get Polly the return of Duke. Such, such a weird arc for that character because he really was sort of the bad guy in the first movie. He was sort of abusive, and then not sort of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. He is and definitely the alcoholism more than... that sort of comes and goes, and then mm-hmm. sort of being almost like the idiot that loses all the money and sort of puts Rocky back on in the poorhouse. And there's no redemption for him other than just. Little moments here or there where he like shows a soft side towards Rocky or says, Apollo, you did a good job. It's like, that's not really enough of a redemption for how much of a shit he is. Mm -hmm. He's definitely like getting closer and closer towards like the version of him that will own a robot in this movie. Like, because like, yeah, Yeah. the Pauly in one and two felt like a real person that like, I grew up with this dude or everyone has this kind of friend where they're like, guy you love him but they made so much mistakes and they've done such you know but in this one he is kind of more of like the comic relief like oh there's Polly, the wackety schmackety drunk sure so yeah we yeah fun (laughs) we uh we learned that this is where apollo got started this is where he learned to fight his way and he thinks this is going to be like the the jostling that rocky needs uh i like the term of like getting get your feet out of the concrete you know, mm-hmm. Rocky's lumbering and Apollo, he, he's pretty, he dances, he moves and they're I, trying to get, I, yeah. Yeah. I, so I will say that I, I love, I love all of that, but I think it's interesting that his whole strategy of like, you got to get faster in the ring is like exactly the strategy in Rocky two, only it went unused in Rocky two, like in the final fight, like Rocky is not faster at all. Um, and then here he is faster as we'll see. But it's it's more about like moving his body around and like avoiding getting hit and stuff, um, which is which is interesting. But then ultimately his his plan, which is just to wear the other guy out and just keep taking the hits, but like wearing him out. Um, yes, rope is not a str- yeah rope rope dope. But it's not a strategy that like Apollo Creed comes up with. It's not a strategy that he trains him with it's not like here's what we're gonna do have you ever heard of rope a dope you know it's it's just like i'm gonna teach you how to be a boxer like i was but it's almost like the movie is saying but like apollo creed would have lost against clever lane also because (laughs) you know none of this comes into play in that final fight i don't know so the scene that uh the scene that uh, apollo has with duke like after that is they're going over fight footage and the strategy that Apollo comes up with is like, okay, Rocky can't last 15 rounds with this guy. He's right. got to hit fast and furious. And I want him out of there in seven to eight rounds tops or else he's going to run out of steam because he's 34. And, you know, it's like a downhill slope. Right. And it's interesting. It'll be interesting. To see. I don't because then like Rocky again ends up being like, no, I'm not going to do that. Fuck that. And he ends up just going, like <laughs> taking the beating. Yeah. yeah. Uh. 
Yeah, it's sort of like it reminds me of like the strategy of like when you're playing uh, like a stealth game and you just get tired of the stealth part and you just like go in the room and just blow everyone away um, and just take a bunch of hits and almost die. Um, that's what that's what it reminds me of, like what he what he does in the final fight. Well, it would have been nice if they at, at any point really properly addressed or made it even a strategy because all it was was Rocky saying it's like, "Hey, I'm not the one that's out of breath." It's like, "Oh man, you should have." prep that ahead of time is like you know clubber's never gone more than three yard three rounds in a fight or something like that and mm-hmm. um it's sort of one of those things where you got to watch this movie a few times it's like oh i get it now uh, yeah it, you know it, it's yeah i think it's i think it's tight it, it, it's a tight movie but you know sometimes you you lose stuff by getting this tight um right you don't have enough time to spend on proper explanations right <laughs> yeah no the movie's a yeah. bullet it's uh, it's under two yeah. hours yeah uh the uh, the famous beach apollo is trying to get rocky to run and rocky's just not in it like he's not in the training uh he gives up on the run he has this like vivid flashback to like getting his ass kicked by clubber lang and losing mickey in the same day mm-hmm. and apollo's like you know what this isn't gonna happen you really have lost it bye and we get uh, kind of Talia Shire's like only major scene in the movie, really. Yeah, it's a it's a big problem I have with this movie is there's there's like one, I don't know who she's playing, but it's not Adrian. Right. Um, like she's just a totally different character here, just like Rocky is, and I'm not super into it. Um, I don't like that their relationship is not a major point in this movie you know rocky takes a kiss from that girl and they give a moment of adrian being like oh but like that never comes back they never no, address no. it or anything never um i also really don't like the scene where they just like take rocky jr and they're just like here you watch him all right bye rocky we're going to la for a while and they just you just never hear from the kid again the rest of the movie because they just like dropped him off somewhere and now yeah. you know you'll matter in rocky know. five I just don't, I'm surprised that Adrian, I mean, I'm glad that like Adrian went with Rocky to LA because it gave us some actual Adrian content in this movie. But like, it is odd to me that she would have went with Rocky as a, as a character. Well, you know, in the first movie, Adrian was almost, and it's, it's, it's a trope, but it was almost the beginning of the trope, the, the whole, he takes her glasses off and she's actually really pretty or, you know. And now she's refined and well quaffed. And mm-hmm. so, and when she yells at Rocky and it's her only scene because of who Adrian is, it, it doesn't seem like she's ins- trying to inspire him. She just seems a little sort of a bit of a harpy. And Talia Shara is a good enough actress where she makes it work a little bit, but it's it, it gives her something. It's something that she's working against instead of working with. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it is a very much a different character than we've seen before. And Talia Shire just becomes less and less. All of a sudden, her role, Adrian's role, is just to give him the speech in the movie, and she did it in the yeah. fourth movie, and she did it in the fifth movie, where she doesn't doesn't have a lot to do, and then just yells at him to inspire him and move him in different different directions. So she's all of a sudden she's just a plot point anymore. And it's mm-hmm. uh, and it's such a disappointment because I would disagree, Brad. I think I think Adrian is like a fully three dimensional character in 
the first Rocky and even the second Rocky. Oh, she definitely but, was and, in the first and, two. She was. It, this is where she, all of a sudden she no longer is that three dimensional character. It just feels like, yeah, like this is another Rocky moment of like, and now is the part where she has to like motivate him. And it even kind of, I don't know, it always feels muddy to me with the result of like Rocky's final, like, oh, you want to break me down? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of losing what I got. It never hits the same way that like, you know, you know exactly why Rocky's getting in the ring in those first two movies, you know? Tommy yeah. mm-hmm. Shire's great. Yeah. It's, 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 it's sad that all of a sudden one of her two, definitive roles uh just becomes a plot point in the third movie mm-hmm. sure and kind of for the rest of the see i mean we'll, we'll keep going but i don't think adrian really ever i don't think they ever find something interesting for her really to do in the next few sequels to my memory uh the uh and then we get it's just time for the montage again i was genuinely surprised that I always, it, you know, because Eye of the Tiger, it's such a big thing. I was like, oh, the the montage isn't set to Eye of the Tiger. It's just set to Gonna Fly Now again. Right, and right. It's, you know, it's... Eye of, Ti- Eye of the Tiger opens the movie. <laughs> yes. And, like, yeah. I think the Rocky Two montage was, it, it overcame kind of being derivative of the first one where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm in it again. Like, let's, let's do this. The kids are chasing him. Um, <laughs> and I think this is kind of just like a m- montage by numbers but i'm just fucking head over heels in love with the way it ends with apollo and rocky running down the beach rocky mm-hmm. being fast they're jumping in each other's arms in the water they're splashing it's great yeah it's the best a reason to have slow motion in a movie because I, I you know they've shown that scene sped up so it's like in real time it's like doesn't have any impact it's just two guys in tank tops hugging right yeah, good for them. <laughs> but it they really are the heart of the movie. I think the the friendship of Apollo and Rocky, um, mm-hmm. and for how short they're the, this they're movie the is, romance because the because the romance in the movie or in the other two movies between him and Adrian. I mean that's that's uh, that is just assumed now, right? Because it's like right. oh well they're married and now it's just, everything's fine, everything's fine. So like that's just the assumed part. So now the courtship in this movie is their friendship and their bromance, and mm-hmm. uh, that's. Yeah, Apollo Creed is the Adrian in this yeah. in this movie. Yeah, the Adrian and the Mick. <laughs> He's both. <laughs> and uh, then it's the day of the fight, y'all. It's uh, not. Is it Radio City Music Hall, or am I thinking of the Thunderlips fight? It's Madison Square Garden. Madison, Madison Square Garden. Garden. Yes. Yeah. And then you know, speaking of like you know uh, Apollo being the Adrian, kind of the most romantic gesture of the movie is Rocky. Per- Apollo presents Rocky with shorts that are inspired by the shorts he wore in their first fight. And it's kind of this like full circle moment of like, Hey, I want you to wear my colors. And Rocky's like, I am going to wear your colors, bro. I'd, I'd be proud to. I also just love that the American flag is Apollo's colors. Oh, Apollo, these are yours. I can't. <laughs> That's great. Oh, and then the whole time Apollo's like, Hey, but this is done. You're going to owe me a favor. And, Apollo, and Rocky's like, what favor? What's this guy talking about? <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, we, we talked about the fight. Uh, Rocky does his own thing. He overcomes Clubber Lang, and he yeah. beats him. I mean, it's, you know. I'll, I'll say one of the mistakes, I think, it's a quick fight, too, um, and which I guess was the strategy put into place by, <laughs> uh, by Apollo. Um, but 
I will say one of the mistakes this movie makes another another that makes a lot of mistakes, but one of the other mistakes is that like Clever Lane is heavily in this movie up until he is interviewed right after the first fight, and then he just disappears for forty five minutes. You never see a lick of Clever Lane, and then all of a sudden, like we're supposed to care about him in this final fight. Um, and I just I feel like. I wish there was just like more of Clubber Lane in those forty-five minutes, just like a couple of scenes. Just like how does he like being the champ? Like how does that yeah. bear on him? You know, right, well, right. Yeah, and it could even be interesting showing him sort of making the same mistake that Rocky did, where right, all you would need is it like him showing up to the fight and getting out of a limo, and that be right. enough to say he's like, oh, he's now letting himself get soft the same way that Rocky gets right. soft, right. Or like the opposite, is he like, no, I'm still living in the same apartment. You're like, oh, wow, he really is hardcore. You know, something to like contextualize it a little bit. Right. right. Um, and then, you know, he wins and Adrian comes out. It just feels very, it, it's like sped up. And yeah. and it, it, for me, it, I, I allow it because I it's not the real ending. We do get this, in my opinion, like really iconic ending where it's these two Dude's like no cameras, no crowd. It's like I gotta know. I want to just, just I want to fight you one more time just to see what it's like. And it's I just like love that it's just two guys. Just like I just want to know. You know, I just want to beat the shit out of you, and I want to know if I can. Uh, like it's, as a that's what the first saying, time we fought, we put each other so in the funny. hospital for a week. But yeah, just <laughs> yeah. the two of us doing this without a timekeeper or anything is a great idea. Right. Yeah. Somebody would yeah, be like as, as a manslaughter as a, charges. Yeah. Right. And yeah, as a 30 for 30 documentary, maybe it wouldn't work. But as <laughs> a Rocky movie and as yeah. like as also kind of speaks to my like Dragon Ball Z brain of like, yes, mm-hmm. just fight for just to fight for just fighting fight sake. For fun. Yeah. Move your honor. I, I like the idea, though, that it's it's a light. It's it. They're, they're like they're messing around more than than you think. I mean, there's a reason that they pause the fight with yeah. the first punch, because I think. I think it's not something that either of them are really taking seriously. I think they're, he's just really joking around. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a knockout dragout fight. I think they're just going to like spar a little bit for fun. They're being so silly, you know? Oh, yeah. They're, they're, they're laughing. It's like, oh, I taught you good. Yeah. I taught you good. It takes like 30 years to find out who won the fight. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm in love. I, I think about it all the time. Carl Weathers ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's 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 an iconic gift the like you're gonna ring yeah. the bell like that that like <laughs> he's like got the little goofy yeah. i don't know uh, i and, love it i love this and, ending and it's it's really it's poignant now knowing where the franchise goes or just you know getting older just like well you know it's stallion it's, it's too bad we got to get old you know yeah like yeah it's good um well brad uh, any closing thoughts on Rocky three? This was, I was asked what my favorite Rocky movie was. And it's funny where it's not the best Rocky movie, but Rocky three is my favorite. And it's because this was the most popcorn movie. It's the easiest one to sit and watch. Uh, th- this is a fun movie. And mm-hmm. It was Stallone at his Stalloniest, where we think of Sylvester Stallone as an A-list above the title star, but really, he hasn't had as many hit movies as you might think. 
he had Rambo and he had Rocky. And even some of the Rocky movies didn't make as much money as you thought. Like when you get to Rocky Five and Rocky Balboa, those weren't like massive commercial successes. But Rocky Three was when Stallone was really an A-list top tier star. And it's sort of interesting to revisit this where he was incorporating that into the character, which has been addressed. Um, you know, he, he became better looking and in better shape and, you know, plastic surgery and all of a sudden had a really good haircut. And mm-hmm. he did a good job of incorporating that into the character. And you're right, Brad, like for an icon, Stallone really has as, if not more bombs and valleys of his career than those big massive peaks yeah yeah Yeah. that was the thing with 80 stars i mean schwarzenegger at his peak had a lot of hits in a row but stallone and bruce willis it was like 50 50 at best and you brought Mm -hmm. up nighthawks and i actually saw nighthawks uh and that was sort of a bore um, but when it, but when he hit, he hit big and it's funny, you look at, uh, actors don't get that, that much of a reign or that the much leash. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a different time because they, 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 you know, we're so focused on opening weekend box office now. That was not the case back then. So, right. Yeah. I mean, this was just a, an interesting little movie in time and, and I'm so glad that you guys invited me on. This has been and I always have a great time uh, talking with Scott. Um, so I was just really excited that I was able to talk about this movie. Again, I'm a Philly guy. So, you know, I, talking about like a Philly, Philadelphia institution is a big deal for me. And people were ticked off when this movie came out because when they moved this the the setting to California and then oh, yeah. having the final fight in Madison Square Garden. That right. irked Philly, Philadelphia <laughs> fans. It's like, yeah, that's I bet. interesting. Should be in Philly. Yeah, I bet. Oh, fair enough. Um, but uh, I, I want to. This is the last one with Mick. I mean, we get like a shot of Mick. I think in the fourth one, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, as a ghost. Um, I uh, I do want to shout out my favorite. Iter- we were talking about pop culture um, uh, iterations of Mick throughout time, like SNL sketches and things like that. Just a quick shout out. To the Lipton iced tea commercial. Oh God! Uh, save something for the sequel, because that's that's the best. I I love that. I I I I just that was like a big part of the '90s. Was that Lipton iced tea commercial? They repeated that so much. That was a Super Bowl um, ad. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that, and it inspired a Celebrity Deathmatch. Um, off of that. Really? Uh, it was such a big hit that they're like, we should make this a TV show somehow. <laughs> um, but that's the uh, power anyway. of this series. You think mm-hmm. about, you know, celebrity deathmatch, Hulk Hogan, Mr. T, the A Team, and everything that sort of, and you know, I'm sure every time Survivor plays at whatever festival they play at, you know, they're going to play Eye of the Tiger at the beginning, the end, and sprinkle it out through the middle because that's what people are coming out to see. And mm-hmm. it's made a meal for a lot of people. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Rocky, Rocky three. So Scott, I have a question. So next week, will yes. we, will we only be talking about Rocky for the director's cut or are you going to watch I'm, that as extra credit? 
I'm entire. I am absolutely watching both versions of Rocky Four next week. Um, okay, I've been holding off on wa- watching Rocky versus Drago for this specific reason um, because I I wanted to watch both versions. So I, I'm going just, for it next week. I just want to hear you guys talk about Dolph Lundgren and the fact mm-hmm. that he's this brilliant, great looking guy uh, who had this fascinating life. And he can do anything except for act well. <laughs> he's getting better. He's he's a lot better now. Um, as like an older man, he's he's doing pretty good stuff. I I don't know. Everything I see him in, I like him in now. Now that he's he's had like a resurgence lately. Well, he was um because what was he was in Aquaman, right? He was in Aquaman. Um, he was in Arrow. He did like a season of Arrow. Oh, I didn't get that. Um, yeah, where he was like a. I think he was a villain for like a se- he was like a big bad for like a season of Arrow. Um Yeah, but then he and... did Kindergarten Cop too. I was like Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, you know So somebody you, had to pay a bill. So some people gotta eat, yeah. <laughs> well, uh I will try I've also never seen Rocky versus Drago. Um I if I can find the time, I would certainly love to. Yeah. Uh, watch both. Well versions. if you if you don't, I'm going to, so I'll I'll, yeah. I'll be there with <laughs> yeah. the info. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we'll be uh, back next week to talk about Rocky Four in multiple versions. But yeah, thanks for being on the show, Brad. And thanks for listening, listeners. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brad, tell people uh, where, where uh, they can find Cosmic Geppetto and what, what the hell that is. <laughs> yeah. Cosmic Geppetto. Um, we are. Gosh, we've been doing it for gosh, six years. Um, we've had 260 some episodes. Uh, we talked to. Uh, Geek centric, uh, positive pop culture show. Um, Scott has been on several times. One of my favorite episodes every year is he comes on to talk about uh, summer movies. Uh, we always have a great conversation, and uh, Scott is an amazing guy. As people who are listening to this, they know Scott's awesome. <laughs> um, have a great time with it. We have a panel of just amazing guests, and uh, in. People like uh, I mentioned, Jarf Harden. And hell, we talked about uh, A-Team on this. Uh, George Papard's like, great-grandniece, uh, Anna, Dr. Anna Papard, is a, a recurring guest. Uh, she She's literally uh, related to George Papard, which is so weird. Um, and and hmm. fa- fantastic people like that. Um, so it, it's it's a great show. It's, it's something we sort of came up with where... Uh, it's so funny when people talk, when you see, here are so many podcasts where they talk about movies or whatever, and everyone seems, the hosts uh, and the guests seem to hate what they're talking about, and we love what we talk about. We love Marvel movies, we love geek culture, and uh, we try to be positive and inclusive, and um, you can follow us on Twitter, on Cosmic G-Pod, and you know, Cosmic Geppetto is on all your favorite podcatchers, and we recommend everyone check it out. And I do, too. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for being on, Brad. And uh, everybody, we will see you next week with Rocky Ford.